Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, we're glad you're here today. I wanted to say hello. Welcome to all those tuning online. Thanks for joining us today. We're glad you're here at the Grove with us. And everybody in theater, thank you for coming. Um, I'm excited for today's message, today's service, and I think it's going to be helpful. Um, if you're open to it, uh, it'll be helpful in your life. And I, I hope that you came expecting, ready to walk away with a challenge, with something that will help you become better this week. And that's my hope. Um, we are uh, just two weeks. Next week, we're going to start a series called Positive Influence. Uh, every July, uh, for the last three years we've done this, uh, we bring in uh, some guest speakers, and they speak for the month of July. And the reason we call it Positive Influence is because I want to I model, as a church, we always are trying to model what health is. And uh, one of the things that I'm always encouraging in our team and our church is we have to have people around us that are going to consistently encourage us and challenge us to get better. And so I want to introduce you to people in my life that speak into our church, that speak into my life, that help me to be the best that I can be. And so we bring in three of our overseers. Overseers are three senior pastors from other uh, parts of our state. Uh, that, that pastor of the churches, and essentially they're, all like, they're um, kind of like a board of directors that help us as a church stay healthy and stay strong, hold me accountable. And I want you guys to know who these people are because uh, since we started the church, these guys have been on the journey with us, helping us along this journey, just speaking into it. So every year we, we bring them in so you guys can see them, get to meet them, get to hear them share their heart. And so next week, Pastor Kelly from uh, Portales, he'll be coming. Uh, Kelly is hilarious, and I think you'll uh, enjoy, his, uh, enjoy him next week as he comes and shares, and uh, just a great guy. And then every week we'll have a, a guest speaker, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but before we get into that, I just wanted to wrap up uh, kind of this idea of we, we went through Ten Commandments this year. I thought that was one of our focus I want to do is talk about what, is, what does it look like to have healthy relationships when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to life. And I believe that all of the Bible is about relationships. And so we took 10 weeks to talk through the Ten Commandments. And then last week and this week, I want to talk about some of the commandments that are in the New Testament. Uh, so the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, they kind of summarize all those commandments are back there. And then last week we said Jesus summarizes the whole Bible in two, with two commandments. And so we talked about how there's, two, there's these two commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, which is our vertical relationship with God. We said that's our, our, the vertical part of our relationship is, is loving God. And then he says the second most important commandment is to love your neighbors yourself, and that's our, our uh, horizontal relationships. And we said that when you put those two together, they make a cross, which is the gospel. Uh, really, the Bible is about relationship with God and relationship with people. And we said all the Ten Commandments fit in those two those two uh, uh, um, positions, vertical and horizontal. And so I went through that whole, whole, whole part. And I said this about, about purpose, because last week was really about purpose and knowing that God is saying you have to be strong in your purpose, knowing that loving God is important and loving others is important. And if you get that out of whack, you're going to miss the target God has for you. And so make sure you stay strong. And we said that people who have a strong sense of purpose are more likely to reach their destination as opposed to those who have a weak sense of person, uh, purpose. Those people tend to drift along in life. They really don't ever end up anywhere on purpose because they're just drifting along. Uh, because there is no purpose. And so my challenge was make sure you have strong purpose in your life, and God is always trying to help us with that. And so when they say define the Bible, he says love God and love others. And that's a picture of, the, of, of what we're called to do as, as Christ followers is to do that. So today I want to talk about the, another um, uh, subject that I, I love and I'm passionate about. Uh, so purpose, I'm passionate about that. I want people to have purpose in their life so they can accomplish great things and reach the destinations and the dreams they have. But one of the things that I t- love talking about is process, about getting to that destination. Because uh, it's good. It's one thing to have a goal and a target. It's another thing to get there. And so today I'm going to talk about process, uh, a subject that I'm passionate about, I love, and uh, I think you'll, you'll see why. Um, but here's the question I want to ask you for today. This is the question I want to start off with is, are you better today than you were yesterday? In your life, are you better today than you were yesterday? Or are you better today than you were last week? Or how about last month or last year? And when I say better, I mean like, not like just like general, like overall. I mean like in different areas of your life, like 
physically? Are you, are you healthy? Are you doing things that are helping you be healthy? Relationally, are you better off in relationships now than you were in the past? Um, how about financially? Are you better off today than you were last year? If not, why? If so, why? Because um, so there's all these different areas of our life. One that is neglected a lot of times is our emotional health. How are you emotionally? Um, are, you, are you improving? Are you maturing? Are you getting better? Or are you staying stuck? Um, are you staying the same? Because um, if you're not, the truth is, if you're not moving forward, you're actually moving backwards and you're actually dying. You know, for a long time, there were surgeries they would do. And once you're done with the surgery, they'd make you go to bed and, and, and rest until you can be healed enough to begin to move. Now certain surgeries they found, if they don't get people moving, like, like hip surgeries, uh, replacement surgeries, if they don't get people moving right away, there's a, there's a, a higher chance of them getting sick and, and not being able to recover from that surgery. So what they do is almost immediately, as, as soon as they can move, they start making them move, even though there's pain, even though it's really difficult, because they know there's a better chance if they get moving, they'll actually become healthier quicker. Because if you stay still, you actually cause more problems. And I think life is like that a lot of times. When you stay stuck in different areas of your life and you don't move, you're not improving, you're actually just slowly dying. You're not living, you're slowly dying and, and missing um, what's best. So I think that's true about, uh, about life. When things don't go our way, sometimes we just stop and we just wait and, and we never move again. And I, my, t- my challenge today is that we won't be those kind of people. I read a story about a man uh, who got stuck in the mud for four hours. Um, he was 25 years old, got stuck in the bank of a, of a, a river in China. And uh, um, although he had the cell phone with him, he stayed in the mud for four hours because uh, he was too embarrassed to call somebody for help. So finally, after four hours, I'm pretty sure he was tired. He's like, all right, I've got to do something. Some fishermen are passing by, and he says, can you help me? So some of the fishermen, they try to help. They can't get him out. And so then they call the professionals, right? I'm guessing some firemen or some police or some rescue, something like that. These guys come in, and they begin the process. As you can see in the picture, all of the rescuers strip down so that they can get in the mud and not get stuck in the mud. Um, where this guy, all the things he had on was actually the things uh, were actually keeping him stuck in the mud, like the clothes. And so because he was embarrassed to call, it took four hours. And because he was embarrassed to let them take off his clothes, it took another additional seven hours to get him out of the mud. So the rescuer said, if you would have just let us take off his clothes um, like, like they were, it's not like they were trying to do something they weren't doing. They're like, hey, guy, this is going to help. If you just go with the process, we're professionals here, right? And, but because he didn't, the things that he wanted to hold on to so dearly actually kept him in the mud. And sometimes I think life is like that for so many people. Uh, there might be a moment in your life where you feel like this guy. You're just stuck in life, in some aspect of your life, financially, relationally, in marriage, in work, whatever. Whatever area of your life it is, there's going to be moments you feel like this. And, and here's the thing. Don't stay like that. It's not good. Don't be like this guy. Don't, don't let the things that are actually keeping you stuck, hold, don't hold on to them so much that, that, that you want them so bad that it's going to keep you there because it, it will keep you there. Uh, but rather release and, and move on and move, move forward. And today I want to talk about process. This is, this, when, when, you, when you're unaware of process in life, you'll actually find yourself in the situations more than you realize. Because one of the things that we don't understand as a culture a lot of times is to get to our destinations, to get things we like, it actually takes a lot of time sometimes. Um, but our culture, we want things immediate, immediate gratification. We want it right now as soon as we can have it. And when we shortcut process, we actually cost, it costs us more in the long haul. And a lot of times it actually keeps us away from God's best for our life. It keeps you even away from some of the things you really want in your life because you trade it in. And so today I want to show in the Bible where it talks about process. So last week was about purpose and about the, about the greatest commandments of loving God and loving others. Today I want to read a portion of scripture. It's known as the Great Commission. So whenever there's a great next to it, I think you should pay attention. When there's the greatest commandments, right, love God, love people, that's like, okay, that's an important commandment that God has for us. In this case, Matthew 28, we're going to read what's called the Great Commission. This is the moment where Jesus tells his disciples, okay, guys, I am passing on to you something very important. Don't miss what I'm about to say. 
In fact, the end of Matthew, this is the, it's the last chapter of the book of Matthew. Jesus, he spent three years with his disciples, right? So somewhere around age 30 or so, he began his public ministry, and the disciples came along with him. And for three years, they would go from village to village, town to town, teaching and, and sharing stories, I'm sure eating food, telling jokes, just having a good time. You know, just everything he did for three years was awesome. And then the end of the three years, he's crucified on a cross, he dies, and all of his disciples except one, they all take off and they all freak out and they all run away. And what he told them is going to happen. He said, I'm going to die, and you're all going to run away, you're going to freak out. And they're like, no way, you're, you're God, you're the Son of God, we're with you all the way. And they didn't believe him, they didn't understand. And for those three years, they were following him, but then when, when, he, when he got crucified on the cross and died, they were gone. And then three days later, it was Easter, we celebrate Easter, he comes back to life, right? He shows up and like, hey guys, I'm back. And they're like, what? You're alive? And then they all freak out and, they, 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 um, and then he spends an additional 40 days with them. So three years with them, he dies on the cross, comes back to life. Um, and then he spends 40 days just teaching them and sharing more things. I guarantee if you were a disciple, those 40 days, you listened a lot better than you did those first three years, right? You with me? It's like, okay, three years, this guy, he says something to God. And here's, I think, part of the reason. The disciples were thinking in their mind, here's, here's the king. He is. He's the king of all, right? But in their mind, they're thinking king of Israel. He's going to set up his kingdom. That means I'm on his team. I'm like in the inner circle. I'm going to be a ruler. I'm going to be very powerful. I'm going to have all the things I've always wanted to have. This is going to be great. In their mind, they're thinking he's going to set up an earthly kingdom, kick out the Romans, and set up Israel to be strong again. But he's saying that's not why I came. This is a whole different thing that's happening. One day that'll happen. God's going to come back. He's going to set up his kingdom forever. But he said, this point is just to help people get back to my purposes, to know. And, and, and he kept telling them, like, guys, don't miss the point here. Like, I'm going to die on a cross. Like, I have to suffer, but it's for your good. It's for, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to have to die on this cross, but I'm going to come back to life. And in their mind, they didn't get it uh, because they were wanting something different. And then he dies, and he leaves, they freak out, and then they realize, oh, well, not only is he dead, but he's back alive again. He really is the son of God. I should pay attention. So 40 days, he teaches them. And then when, on the 40th day he's leaving, this is, the, this is what he tells them. And I I'm, I'm guarantee if this is the last thing he's saying to them, they're going to listen very carefully. And he says this. He says, it says, Jesus came to his disciples, Matthew 28, verse 18. And he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, this is really important because there's a therefore right, right the next sentence, therefore. The reason is therefore is because whenever there's a therefore, you always pay attention to what was said before that. Jesus is saying everything and all the authority has been given to me. So all authority in heaven, all the authority on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. So essentially he's saying God gave me the responsibility, the purpose, right, to come to earth and to share his love, to share his message. Now, because he's given it to me, I'm leaving. Therefore, go and do what I've done. I'm passing on to you. And this is huge, right? So this is, this is God of the universe saying, all right, the authority and the, the purpose that God's given me, I'm now passing on to you, my disciples. So go and make more disciples. So therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, all the people, that's all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is really important. Second step there. Teach, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And those are his parting words. Essentially, Guys, I've been here for three years. I've, I've modeled. I've taught you. You become my disciples. Now I want you to go and do what I've done. And he closes by saying, now go do what I've done. I pass it on to you. So this is called the Great Commission. This is where Jesus tells his disciples, the church. After this, the church starts. He says, go and do what I've done. Use your life to do what I've done. Give life. Be a life giver. Be, add value to people's lives. So if we look at the, if we're talking about process, He's given us this process to do in life. So he's saying, number one, he's saying, okay, I'm passing on this to you. Number one, go and make disciples. Well, well to, in order to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. 
It's kind of like telling a human being, go and make puppies, right? They can't make puppies because they're not puppies. They're not dogs. So you have to be that person to be able to make that, right? To replicate. If you're going to make more humans, you have to be human. Well, in this case, if you're going to make disciples, you have to be a disciple. What exactly is a disciple? We don't really have this word in our, in our vocabulary in, in, in the U.S. Uh, because it means something different to what it meant to Jesus. We think of a student. You know, you go to school, you, take the, you, you, you listen to what the teacher says, so you can take down the notes, so you could pass the test, right? That's how we think of when it comes to following a teacher is we're, we're wanting to learn what they know so we could pass a test. But a disciple is not that. We don't want to know what the teacher knows so we could pass a test, although a lot of people sign up to follow Christ because of that. Like, I just want to know what Jesus knows so I can get to heaven. That's it. He said, no, that's not a disciple. A disciple is somebody who wants to know what the teacher knows so they can become like the teacher. And a rabbi will accept a disciple on the terms of saying, I believe you can do what I do, so come and follow me. So when Jesus invites you to follow him, he's actually saying, I believe in you, that you could do what I did with my life, so go and do what I've done with my life. And so he's invited us to become a disciple. And then he says, go and baptize them. Uh, this is a huge, important part of the step. It's, a, it's an outward sign. Throughout the scriptures, whenever somebody made a, a vow or a covenant with God, there was always an external, something external that was attached to it. There's always something to identify ourselves with Christ. It's like um, baptism would be like uh, the, the marriage vows, right? So you, you make this commitment to marry somebody. And then if, if I told sincerely, like, you know, we're going to skip all that part. I don't think anybody needs to know that. There would be, she have some questions about my loyalty to her, right? How much I loved her. Well, that's, this idea here is when we make a commitment to somebody, we then go public with it. We let people know, hey, this is, this is what's happened in my life. There's something out here. And there's always an outward indication of a covenant that's made on the inside. And so in this case, water baptism is that outward expression of that. And then the third step is to teach these disciples um, to do, obey all the commands that Jesus gave us. It's a process of discipleship, but we're learning, we're growing. This is why we gather on Sundays. We're trying to teach you different aspects of this so you can learn and grow. Uh, another step in this is that you begin to read your Bible and pray and seek, seek the scriptures, what God is trying to teach you to become the person he wants you to become. And then finally, I am with you. Uh, one of the ways we simplify this in our church is like this. We say it like this. First, we want people to know God. That's the process. Now, come into a relationship because we're, we're all about getting the people that don't know God to eventually know God, take that step. And then once they know God, find freedom. Um, and this is the picture of baptism is awesome. Uh, when, when the first time we see baptism in the Bible is when the people of Israel are leaving Egypt as slaves and they have to pass through the Red Sea. And so on one end of the, of the sea, uh, they're slaves. And as they pass under the Red Sea, all the Egyptians are killed in the sea. They're on the other side. They're now free people. So you leave the land of slavery. You enter into the land of freedom. It's a picture of water baptism. Jesus is buried and died and goes to the grave. We leave the old behind. We come up new. It's just a beautiful picture of, of what it means to follow Christ. That's what baptism is. It's a, an expression. It's a, it's a symbolic act that we do to say, something's changed in my life. I'm leaving the past, so I'm finding freedom. And that's a process also where God is helping us become free of things so we can move in freedom. And then we begin to discover purpose. We want, we want you to discover how God made you to, to use your life for a specific purpose and, to, to, and then finally to make a difference with your life. So this is the process that we're on as a church. This is, this is how we simplify what we do. This is what we do growth track. We explain this. It's, it's know God. It's find freedom. It's discover your purpose, and it's make a difference. God is a God of process. How, how does this work? Well, God gives a seed, right? And that seed is when it's planted in the right environment with water and sun, begins to sprout, becomes a tree, right? As that tree matures, eventually that tree begins to can, can have, produce other fruit, and that fruit has seeds that then can be planted to have more trees and more fruit. So at some point, there's this big orchard or grove of trees that is now together in community because of this one tree that was healthy enough to produce more. 
It's a process, right? Um, your, your story, this is a fun one, right? There's a seed and there's an egg. They join together, right, out of a decision that was made. And then a little embryo is there, starts to begin to grow, and then eventually a, a baby, right, into a toddler, into adolescent, into adult. And then this adult partners with another adult. And then what happens? Another seed and egg join together, and then another baby comes up, right? You with me? And the healthier that, the more health that is, the more this produces. And eventually you have this little, this little tribe of, of little ones or family. And the healthier this family is, the healthier the, the environment created here, the healthier those individuals are, eventually you get this really healthy grove of people or, or family, uh, community of people. It's a, it's a process. And God is saying he's a God of process. He, de- he designed it like this. The problem is a lot of times is we want to take the seed, plant it one day, and have the fruit the next day. And we try to shortcut the process. And, and the reason that's a problem is because nothing in life works like that. And people are always frustrated because they're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but there's nothing happening. Uh, this, last, this last year we planted a garden, and my young, one of my younger daughters, she's like, it's taking forever. <laughs> like, this is not even fun. Like, there's no fruit coming. There's no, there's no vegetables coming. Like, well, it's a process. It takes time. There's things happening that we don't see underneath the ground. Um, eventually it'll happen. And then you've got to keep the animals away because they want to eat them. And if they eat them, that destroys the whole, the whole process, right? It's like then you have to keep things out of your life that are going to mess up all that. But it takes time. And if you stick with it, eventually you will see something that's healthy. And health is always a process. You, we mature daily, not in a day. That's what process is. Process is saying, I'm, I'm not the best me that I am right now, but I'm, not, I'm also not the worst me anymore. Like, I'm, I'm in process. I'm becoming better. I'm improving. It's a daily choice that I mature and that I grow because God is a God of process. He doesn't rush. Um, rushing, usually never, when we do rush, it usually never produces anything that lasts anyways. Like, if you're in a rush to get something, that thing will be out of your life very quickly also because you didn't take time to work for it, to earn it, or to really think through it a lot of times. You just got it and you went for it. Uh, you're trading, and what, like, like, for example, uh, when it comes to finances, in, in, your, in your finances, if you, if, if you trade, when we buy something we can't afford, we're essentially borrowing from the future or stealing from our future to be able to pay for that thing now, but it but shortcuts our ability then to one day have more. And it actually limits us because now we have less because of interest, because of the way we do that. And so a mature person has actually seen that. Like, where am I at on this, on this, uh, on this journey? Um, it, it's saying, God, we're in process. How can we become a healthy individual so we can produce healthy people all around us? Um, and then the health of the tree always is determined by the environment that it's in. Like, the environments you're in will determine how, how mature you are, how healthy you are. Um, if you're in negative environments, you'll become negative. If you're in unhealthy environments, you'll become unhealthy. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the, the other trees around us. It's like this cross-pollination, and we pick up on things that others have. So my question for you is this. If, if we're in process, what's your next step? What's your next step in life? When it comes to your, your relationships, where, where are you at? Are you stuck in some relationship? Maybe in marriage, you're just, nothing's moving? Well, what's, what's the next step for you? Maybe financially or, uh, or emotionally? What are those steps that you need to take so you can begin to move, 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 move towards uh, health and move towards better? Because in every area of your life, you're, you're in process somewhere or you're stuck. And if you're stuck, that part of your life is actually dying and it's not improving. It's getting worse. And then how do you gauge where you're at on these levels? So in your life, like emotionally, how do you gauge where you're at? Well, I would say this. How do you respond when things happen in that area of your life that you don't like? Um, emotionally. Somebody says something to you you don't like. How do you respond? Do you lash out like maybe a toddler would? And you freak out and like, fine, you, you don't play by my rules. I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. That would show that you're immature in that area. How, how do you respond? Do you, do you shut down? Uh, do you blame? Do you make excuses? That would indi- give you an indication that you're actually immature in that area of your life. Um, financially, you can't afford something, and you trade your future for the now, 
that would show you're immature, that you, you, you can't delay gratification to say, you know what, I really want this, but I should wait a little bit and save and build so that I can actually handle that and I can afford it. That's a mature person. Immature person says, I want it now, I've got to have it now, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, that's fine, just give it to me. And then they realize, oh, wow, it's going to cost three times as much as it would have if I just waited a little bit. That wasn't a really wise decision. No, because it was an immature decision that you made. Um, it, it's an immature person on, on this journey of life, on, these, on this process, would say, are we there yet? Like, Man, I thought I'd be a lot further along in my, my vocational life. Like, I should, I should be the owner. I should be the boss already. Why am I not the boss yet? Well, you've only been there two weeks. I should be the boss. Like, I'm good enough to be the boss. That's an indication that you're immature as a person because you don't understand process. And if you'll get this principle, you'll begin to understand, like, if you just apply yourself, eventually you're going to find yourself 10, 20, 30 steps down the road and be like, wow, I've grown a lot. I've become better. I'm actually maturing. And what happens a lot of times is people are, they call it arrested development when it comes to emotions. This is one of the areas I think our society is really lacking is we don't let, um, we don't deal with things that happen in our life. And so we get stuck emotionally. So even though we're 30 or 40 or 50, we respond like a 14 or a 13 year old sometimes because there's something that's stuck in our life because we haven't dealt with it. And sometimes it's not even your fault. Like there's something that happened that caused you to, to maybe get stuck there. But, but your choice to get over that is still your choice. Like I would say it like this. I think when we get to these areas that um, when, when we get stuck, I would say build a bridge and get over it. In fact, that would be a great thing to say to somebody sometime when they're just complaining about life and how they're not there. Like, you know what? It sounds like you need to build a bridge. What? Yeah, build a bridge and get over it. Like how long are you going to let that thing keep you stuck? How long are you going to stay in the mud because you're too embarrassed to ask for help? How long are you going to stay in the mud and blame everybody else for the fact that you're stuck in this hole? When are you going to say, okay, enough's enough. It's time for me to do something about it. Instead of saying, are we there yet? When is it going to happen? I, th- I kind of think it like this. Sometimes life, this is not the best example. Don't like go too far with this. But I think sometimes life is like a chess game with God. All right? And God never cheats. Just you know, God is a, a, a fair God that doesn't ever cheat. And we're in this, 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 vo- this game of chess, right? And he makes his move, and we make our move. And then he makes his move, and he waits for us, and then we make our move. And at some point in our life, we get stuck in some area, and we're thinking like, God, I'm asking for your help. Why aren't you moving? Why, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you rescuing me here? And the whole time, God is thinking like, wait, I made my move. It's your move now. Like, no, no. Like, somebody's got to do something. It's like the people on the escalator, right? You're like, you're stuck there like, help, I'm stuck on an escalator. Somebody rescue me. And God's like, take a step, buddy. Come on, take a step, right? Or worse, it's kind of like this, this chess, chess game is going on. And at some point we said, I don't really like your rules. I don't like this game. I'm going to go do my own game. And we choose something that's way outside of what God even wants for us. We make a decision. The Bible calls it sin. It, it, the Bible says it, it's our own, our own foolishness, our choices. We make a decision to, eat, to leave the game. And then we find ourselves stuck in some situation because of a choice we made. And then we're like, God, why don't you rescue me? He's like, well, that was your choice. You made your move. So come on, I'm, I'm here. I've made my move. Now, now just make your move. And the whole time all he's wanting us to do is say, God, this is not the place I want to be. I actually want to be back here with you because your way works better. And, and the choice he's waiting for us to do is to actually acknowledge and admit that we're stuck and say, God, help me get out of this and come back to him. And then he says, great, you made your move. Now make, here's another move. And then, then you make your move. He says, okay, now I want you to work on this. And he makes the move. And then you're like, man, this is really hard. I don't think I want to work on this. Well, until you work on that, your move is not going to happen. And then you're like, okay, I'll make my move. That's really painful. Yeah, I know. But here's some other parts of that you need to work on also. He makes his move. And he tells you to make your move. And it's a loving God who's trying to lead us on this journey of saying, you're in process, all right? You're not where you were, but you're still not where you could be. Just keep moving along, the, along, this, along this process of life. 
Don't get stuck. Don't let the things of life keep you stuck. And so he's saying, just keep moving. Trust me. I'm going to make my move. You make your move. All right. You pray a prayer. He answers it. Now he says, now do this thing. I don't really want to do that thing. That's kind of hard. That's kind of difficult. What is the next step God's asking you to do in your different areas of your life? That's the thing you need to figure out if you're going to become mature, if you're going to become better, if you're going to move beyond that. Um, one thing that I love about our church is that we talk about process. We're moving people from that first step. Like we built our church for this first, this very first area of, of, of our society. This would be the unchurched, the de church, those that have left church, those that are mad at church, whatever. Like we create our church for those that, that don't go to church. They would come here and at some point they'll take a, make a decision to take that step of faith, that first step of faith saying, I want to know God. And so we do everything we can to get people from this area of our, of our uh, city to move to this next step of saying, I want to know God. And then we don't stop there. We keep moving people along this journey. Uh, so last week, there was an article that was written about our church. Go ahead and show the next picture for me. Um, article that was published. You can go to our Facebook. You can go read it. It's awesome. So uh, a couple of uh, people in our church were interviewed uh, by this reporter. He asked them some questions about their journey, how they, how they found Christ, what God's doing in their life. Uh, so proud of Irving and, and uh, Meredith. Uh, they're in this. This picture is one of my favorite pictures we've taken in the last three and a half years that we've been in church. I, I love it. There's just so much joy, obviously, in my face because of what's happening. But her story, go read her story. You'll, you'll love her story just to see how, as we reach the unchurched, what, what God is doing through our church is pretty amazing. Um, and so as we get people to take that next step of, ba- of going public with their faith, water baptism, it, it's an amazing uh, thing that I think is my favorite thing I do, we do as a church is, is baptize people because it means they took that first step. And now they're taking another step, and they, they're going to hopefully continue to take more steps on that. See, when, when I think of the church, I think of when we started the Grove, it's like the first one was like ER, like an emergency room. All right, we get all kinds of people that have been stuck in life in different areas, and they're stuck, and they're trying to figure it out, and they just need help. And we welcome them and say, come, man, God has better plans for your life. ERs are kind of messy, right? So sometimes church can be messy. People come with, with, with baggages and messes in their life, but it's an ER. But at some point, we're moving from an, them from an ER to a community, to a family, and this is where, this is where um, I would say pray for me as a pastor, as a leader, uh, because it's, it's not always easy. You know, every single week there's something that happens in our world that usually needs to be addressed or it's important. Necessarily, not necessarily needs to be addressed, but it's important that we should be praying about, we should be worrying about, we should be trying to figure out how to help. Um, but it's not more important than what we're trying to do here on Sundays. They're trying to help people connect. And sometimes those things take away. So for me, it's always balancing, like, do I address this thing that was said publicly, like, by a politician that was really dumb? Or do I focus on what I'm supposed to focus on? And there's always these messages, man, what should we focus on? What's most important? And then I try to put myself in in the seat, like, sit down in your seat. And I'm trying to imagine, like, who came to our service today and what they brought with them. And then there's there's probably a couple people in this, even today, it's like, it took everything you had in you to just get to this service. And and some of you are thinking, like, is this almost over yet? I just want to get out of here. And the whole time, um, my job is to help you figure out that there's another step you need to take. And every Sunday, I think to myself that every single person in the seats, there's a step that we all need to take on this journey. How can I help them figure out what that step is? Pray for me. I mean, it's, like, it's, a, it's a journey. There's, there's men, there's women. If I tell too many women jokes, then the women get mad. If I tell too many men jokes, the guys are happy. I guess that's not a bad thing, right? Um, women are happy, whatever that looks like. Um, there's young, there's old, everything we're trying to do. And, and I'm, I just imagine this. And so... Um, just, just pray for me. It's, it's trying to figure out, how do I help people take that next step? So as you pray for me, then also come expecting, like, God, what is that next step you're asking me to take? Like, today, God is going to ask you to take a step. What is that? And there's going to be something in your mind that's triggered, and you think, or in your heart, some, in your emotion, somewhere you think, man, I've been, I've been wanting God to move, and this whole time he's been wanting me to move. Wow, I need to take that step, because I don't want to miss what's next if I don't take this step. So what is that next step? And then, and then as, as, I, as I think about people sitting there, there's people... 
This is, this is not uncommon. People will come to our church and they'll say, man, I, I was about to check out and I said, God, I'll give you one more chance. And I came to that church service and God did something. He spoke to me. He did something in my life and I'm still alive today because of it. We had multiple stories like that. And every single week, I'm believing that as somebody comes into our church, that they're bringing something very painful. In the middle of it, God's going to meet them and say, you don't have to stay stuck. You can get out of that. You can move forward. And one of our prayers every single week is we go after that one who is far from God. We go after that one who is so lost, who is so hurting. And our prayer is that today, that day will be the day somebody says, I want to take a step towards God. I want to find freedom from this thing that's holding me back. I don't want to live this way anymore. And what's amazing is every single week, somebody will take that step. Um, what's, uh, last week, we had um, 252 people show up last week. That was like 61 ki- 62 kids last week. Uh, that is awesome. I didn't know that. For three and a half, three, church of th- three and a half years, that is a pretty amazing thing. Uh, but out of, what's really amazing is, is out of the, all those guests that came, four of them made a decision last week, says, you know what, I want to I put God first in my life. Like, I want to make a step towards, towards Christ. That's cool. And today, somebody in this room is going to make that step because they're going to finally realize, like, oh, wow, I've been waiting for God to show up and do something this whole time. He's been waiting for me to do something. And the answer is yes, he's been waiting for you. Would you take that step? And I'll give you an opportunity in the service to do that. Say, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to be unstuck. I want to get back to a place that I can, I can trust you. So we're moving from an from emergency room to a family. Um, and in this family, um, uh, what I love about, about this is, is uh, Leslie, are you here? Where's Leslie? Can you stand up for a second for me? Just stand up. This is Leslie. She's one of our small group leaders. Can we celebrate Leslie? I am so happy that she's led a group. Thank you so much, Leslie. Um, some, she, she, she was uh, hesitant to, to lead a group. And then she went on our Facebook and she, or our website and she read this statement. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, leading a group isn't about being perfect. It's about serving others by giving them a place to connect. Hosting a group is simple. Choose a topic that interests you and select a time and location to meet with others to share it. We give you essential tools to make you, your small group successful through leadership training and a directory where people can register uh, your group so others can find it easily. We believe people's lives are changed one semester at a time by moving one step towards Christ. And as a small group leader, you can get to play an important role in that process. And she read that statement. She says, wow, I didn't realize that I could lead a group. So she signed up. And this last semester, she signed up again. And uh, her group has, has had an impact in other, other people's lives and what she teaches. And the cool thing is she's just teaching something she loves. A nutrition. And, uh, and, and it's, it's amazing to see when somebody will say, you know what, I'm moving from, you know, how people move from the ER, these messes they have, to now coming to a community, a family. Um, this is where, as a church, if you want to really be a part of a church, you need to get involved in a small group. Because that's where you begin to be challenged to take those steps. In fact, our small groups, that's the one goal we have every small group, is help somebody take one step towards Christ this, this semester. And when we do that, we all get better. We all get healthier. And at some point, that journey of being a grove, you know, there's going to be all these trees reproducing other trees, other people that are healthy. It's an amazing thing to see as God unfolds that because we're becoming a family. And at some point, we move from being not just an ER to a family, but we're going to move to being an army. We're not quite there yet. But my prayer is in a few years, we'll begin to see momentum shift and we'll be able to impact our city and our culture and our, and our state and our country and our world because a whole bunch of people say, I'm all in. I want to I do what Jesus asked me to do. I want to go into all the world and make disciples. I want to I use my life to make a difference in this world. So here's, here's, here's what I love about God, is that our best days are ahead. Your best days are ahead. That is something you should hold on to. When it comes to God, just know this. As long as you have air in your lungs, 
your best days are still ahead. As long as you're putting God first in your life, your best days are still ahead. It doesn't matter what comes your way. It's, it's, it's never too late to get back on track. When, when you see life this way, like, okay, I'm not who I, I really want to be. I'm not everything. I haven't attained everything I want to have, but I'm not who I used to be. Like, I'm in process. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress. God is moving me from, from one, one step to the next step to the next step. And as I trust him, I'm getting better. Like, so I've been a pastor of the Grove for three and a half years. Can you imagine what I'll be like when I'm at 10 years as a pastor of the Grove? Like, I'm excited because I'm like, God, I'm on this process of, of seeking you. I'm on this process of getting better. Like, what are you going to do with my life down in 10 years? Because I'm expectant. Because I'm hopeful. Um, it's never too late to, 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 to do the right thing. It's never too late to make a, a, a wrong right again. It's never too late to take a step towards your dreams. Uh, as long as you have lung, air in your lungs, it's never too late. That's what I love about God. It's like, as long as there's still time, as long as there's still time in your life, there's still hope. You don't have to stop. You don't have to get stuck. You don't have to stay stuck. Um, when, you know, people ask me, is a cup half full or half empty? It's neither. My cup is running over. I choose to see life as so blessed that things are so, they're going, it's always going to be better. Like, it doesn't matter what takes place. There's going to be a good outcome at the end. Why? Because God is God, and I trust him in all these things in my life. So do I ever get, like, down? Do I ever get stuck in a funk? Yeah. Um, but usually, if you ask my wife, it doesn't last very long. One or two days, but I break out of that pretty quickly. Why? Because I have a strong sense of purpose that says life is too short to stay stuck. Life is too short to let other people's mistakes or decisions um, impact me and keep me from God's best. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. But as long as you keep saying, all right, I'm going to keep moving forward. It's not too late. There's, there's too many people who are stuck all around us for us just to, to sit still and do nothing. There's too many people in our, in our city who are dying and going to hell that somebody needs to step up and say, you know what, there's a better way for your life. You don't have to stay addicted. You don't have to stay in a pattern of abuse or addic- uh, uh, addictions or, or any other thing that's keeping you back from God's best. There's something better for your life. And, and you never know. You might just be the answer to, to some parents' prayer that their kids would find freedom. You might be the answer to somebody's prayer they've been praying for years because you finally will say, God, what's that next step you want me to take? And he says, would you just love on your neighbor? Like, okay, that's kind of scary, but I'm going to take that next step. And God, I'm going to help me to do this. And all of a sudden you step into somebody's prayer they've been praying, and all of a sudden God begins to use your life to make an impact in somebody else's life. It's never too late to keep moving in that, that direction God wants you to move. You know, it's like, it's like the man that was stuck in, in, the, in, the, in the mud. Because he was too embarrassed to take that next step, to make a phone call. He was too embarrassed to do what was required. He stayed stuck. People on the escalator, who are you? Are you choosing to be those people saying, I'm not moving until God moves. I'm not moving until somebody else moves. You don't know how bad they hurt me. I'm not doing something until they tell, tell me sorry. What if they never tell you sorry? Are you going to stay on that escalator the rest of your life? What if they never, ever say something about address that what took place? Are you going to stay in the mud the rest of your life? What if you don't ever ask you to, to do something with, your, with, with the decisions you made? Are you going to stay in, that, in that, that pit forever? Or are you going to at some point say, I want to get out of this. It's no fun. I don't, I don't want to live here anymore. Um, I want to keep moving forward. Let me show you, let me show you hope. All right? Paul, I think, gives us the best example. Like You can't do no wrong to Paul. You can't harm Paul. All right? So what do they say to Paul? Paul, stop, stop preaching the gospel or we're going to kill you. You know what he says? fantastic. I'll be with God in heaven. This is a win for me. No worries. Fine, fine, Paul. Um, Stop preaching or we're going to put you in prison and beat you. All right. I can write more letters to all the churches around the world. That's a great thing. Like, win, win. And you know when his happiest letters are written? In prison. 
in the not like our prisons. Like, like I'm not saying our prisons are like nice, but, but the, compared to what he was, they were nice. All right, like filth and just horrible situations. He was in that, and his happiest letters came from prison. Why? Because he had hope that as long as we had breath, as long as the day was still day, that there was always hope that somebody was going to take that next step towards God. That somebody was going to make a decision to get out of the mud and start moving towards Christ, moving towards God. This is what he says in Romans 5, 3 through 5. We can rejoice, too. When we run into problems and trials, hey, guys, when you run into difficulties, you can still rejoice. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. This is about process, right? If you're in process, it means that God is helping us become people who can endure even difficulties. Because at some point, we're going to look back and say, wow, I've come a long way. I'm taking these steps. They help us in, develop endurance. And endurance, it develops strength of character, which is really what God is after in your life. He wants to become healthy. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. As you have character, you begin to see more and more that God is a God true to his word and that there's hope there. And this hope will not lead to what? Disappointment. He's saying you'll not ever be disappointed with this kind of hope because it comes from God. It's a song we sang, hope is an anchor for my soul. What does that mean? That no matter what you go through, God is saying there's something better just down the road if you don't give up, if you don't stop. Now, you have to stop making poor choices and poor decisions. That's part of it. But if you don't stop saying, God, I want to keep taking that step, what's that next step? For some of you, that next step is you came, you're saying, I'm broken, I'm hurting. The next step is saying, God, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to take that step over the faith line of saying, God, I invite you to lead me and guide me. Like, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to follow you. And then for some of you, the next step is I need to be water baptized. I want people to know that I'm a Christ follower. Others of you, that's now I need to begin to obey what the Bible says. Like I need to make wise choices, not poor choices. I need to follow his way and do what he wants to do. So how do we learn that? Prayer, Bible, coming to church, small group. Some of you, the next step is I, I've been sitting for a long time. I need to step out and I need to serve. Like, I need to do something. I need to go on a mission trip. I need to become part of a team. I need to help connect other people to, to God, to Christ. And then what you find yourself is, as you keep taking those steps, you begin to realize, like, well, my life is making a difference. And the reason we ask people to take steps is not, not so the grove grows. That's great. If we grow, we want it to grow. We want the kingdom to grow more than anything. But we want you to grow. And as you take those steps, you're going to look back and say, wow, my life was used to do a lot of good. Like, how many people are set free from addictions because you kept taking those steps? How many people found Christ and found life because you were willing to say, all right, I'm going to say yes to God every step of the way? Like who out there in the next five years, ten years, is going to find freedom from, their, from a horrible past of, of patterns of, of, of repetition from family member to family member because you stepped out and said, there's a better way than that. You know, there's something better for your life. It takes us saying, I will say yes to the next step. So here's the thing. When it comes to life, process. We have to keep making those steps. Don't get comfortable. Uh, fight the urge to settle. Push back against going with the flow. That's too easy. Quit doing the same old. You have to do something new. You have to take a risk. You have to reach out, help somebody learn. Uh, man, j- just do something. Because here's, here's the truth. We make our choices, then our choices make us. We make our choices, then our choices make us. And when we're making those choices to God, what's the next move? He'll begin to help us. Here's some questions to ask if you want to know how you're doing on the process. Is every day, if you're wanting to continue to take steps, ask these questions. One, what did I learn today? So what like spoke to your heart and your head? What spoke to your heart? What spoke to your head? What did you learn today? Tomorrow at work, after you get home, if you don't evaluate what you're doing, you'll stay stuck at work. But if you begin to say, all right, what did I learn today? I learned I shouldn't have that conversation at that time of the day. I learned that I shouldn't do that or this. And then you begin to make a plan to change that. How did I grow today? What touched my heart and affected my, my actions? How did I grow today? What did I do that, that made, a, made a choice to take a step in the right direction? And then what will I do differently? 
Well, I'll do differently tomorrow. If you can't answer this, then you didn't learn. If there's not a, a clear action for you to take, then you're missing on what God has for you. Unless you could tell, us, tell me a plan, what you're going to do differently, then you're really not going to do anything differently. You're going to stay stuck. You're going to be on that escalator of life just waiting for somebody to do something else. But if you're willing to say, I'm going to take that step, then you realize there's really no mistakes that can't be stopped. That we can't learn, if we learn, if we, um, if we do something about that process of saying, God, how do I move forward? So here's my challenge for today as we wrap up the service. Is, is Would you take the next step? In your life, would you take the next step? Don't stop moving. Don't stop growing. Would you take that next step emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, uh, relationally, vocationally? Whatever area of your life, would you figure out what that step is and then just take it? If you don't know, I would say pray and ask God, God, what is that step you're asking me to take? Not God, get me out of this mess, but God, what is that step you're wanting me to take? And here's the thing. When it comes to that, just know it always starts with God. It always starts with God. When we go to God and say, would you help me? It'd be like the guy that's in the mud for four hours. At some point, God is saying, would you just pick up the phone and say, God, would you help me figure out what to do? And he'll say, yes, now do this. And then you take that step. And you just trust him on this journey. So start with God. You know, in, um, don't let embarrassment stop, stop you. Uh, don't let what other think, people think about you stop you. Just, just trust him. In, in Romans, uh, if you go to the next scripture for me, uh, Romans uh, 12, Paul says it like this. When it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to being in process, he says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, would you take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Essentially, you're saying, God, I, wanna, I want your help on this journey. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Don't get stuck. Don't settle. He's saying, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you, and then quickly respond to it. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging it down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God is wanting to develop well-formed maturity in you. But it's up to you to say, yes, I'll take that next step. God, I, I will, even when it's difficult and when it's painful and when it's hard, I'll take that next step. Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes, stay and bow your heads. Some of you in this room, you are, you're stuck you came looking for answers. You came looking for somehow to connect back with God, somehow to fix life. And I just tell you, the answer that you're looking for is Jesus. He has a better way for your life than you ever imagined you could possibly have. If you'll trust him, if you follow his lead, he'll do amazing things in you and through you. But it takes you having the humility, not, not being afraid to be embarrassed, not, not being afraid of what others think, but just being humble enough and honest enough to say, that's me, I'm stuck but I don't want to be stuck anymore. And today, if you're here and you're willing to say, that's me, I'm stuck, but I don't want to be stuck anymore. I want to take a step. Would you let me know that you're here by raising your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer where you're at. Awesome. I see some hands going up. Anybody else? That's me. And I don't want to be stuck in life. I want to keep moving forward. Even with poor decisions, God says, let's move forward. Let's build a bridge and get over that. Let's not let it keep you back. Awesome. Awesome. For all you to raise your hand, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer of relationship saying, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, I invite you. So the Bible says that if we confess our sins, if we repent, which means we turn away, it's like a U-turn in your car. You're going the wrong direction. You turn around and start going the right way. God is saying, if you'll turn to me, return to me, if you'll repent, if you'll confess, I'll forgive you and I'll lead you on this journey. 
So if you raise your hand, that's, that's the invitation for you today is let him, let him lead. If you're a Christ follower, would you join us in praying this prayer with those that raise their hand? Say this day, if you raise your hand, say, say, Father God, today I need your help. I'm stuck and I do not want to be stuck any longer. Forgive me of my choices. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to know you and know your purposes. I believe Jesus died on that cross in my place so I could have freedom, so I could have life. I accept that sacrifice. I believe he's alive today and has good plans for my life. Would you lead me in those plans? I put my trust in you. Help me to continue to take those next steps. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.